for today. I, uh, if you turn your Bibles, please, to uh, John 14. I want to read just a few verses there. There's uh, Mrs. Harden called me, and we were talking about heaven. And then last night, another lady called me, and she's concerned. She wanted to know how are we going to be in heaven, and what's heaven going to be like, and is there going to be any children in heaven? Is there going to be any old people in heaven? And all kind of questions. And the uh, Bible doesn't, in black and white, doesn't tell us all the answers to those things. But it's very interesting when you get to studying. And uh, But anyhow, I want to talk to you about what is heaven like this morning. And uh, so if you turn to John 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you don't leave Christians in the dark, that you explain things enough. We can't know everything, but we can know enough to look for and pray every day. Even so, come Lord Jesus. We look for that great place that you call heaven. There's no other place in all creation like it. We look forward to one day going there. We ask you, dear God, that you're blessed today. Let the Holy Spirit explain things to us about this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of the exciting things to me about going on a trip is getting ready for it. I know that the first time I went out west hunting, I had never been out in the mountains, and I talked to, we back then you'd have to have a guide, my, I talked to my guide out there, and he was telling me all the things to expect, what kind of rifle to bring, uh, what kind of clothes to wear, uh, what kind of shoes to wear, and just just everything to be prepared when I got out there. And all the way driving out there, I was so excited about getting there and seeing the place because I'd read every kind of magazine I could find on it. I'd uh, read about the Christmas trees and everything and the snow. And I was so excited about getting there. And I believe the Bible contains everything we need to know about heaven. And I get to reading it sometimes, especially last night I got to reading some things about it and I got excited about going there. Uh, the, sunny, the Sunday that uh, <clears throat> little Ronnie was here, I thought I was going to heaven. They'd come in with that horn blowing. And I, 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 I told my horn to play that thing after I died. You know? But uh, I was talking to somebody, we laughed about that yesterday. But I, I got great expectations about heaven. Uh, this morning, though, I want to try to explain some things about it for you. 
Now, first of all, the Scriptures plainly speak of a place where the righteous shall abide forever. Now, I want to, ask, I want to answer some questions about this place. For instance, where is this place called heaven? Who will live in this prepared place? And by the way, it is a prepared place. John 14 plainly says in verse 2, I go to prepare a place for you. So it's a prepared place for God's people. Number three, what will this heavenly place be like? Now remember, the very design of the Bible demands that there be a place of reward as surely as it demands a place of punishment of sin and sinners. The very nature of God who is just and righteous, demands this place called heaven. The promise of this place called heaven is found here in John 14, verses 1 through 6. This promise was spoken by the mighty Creator Himself. Think about this now. Sometimes we like to dwell on Jesus as being a man too much. I don't say that lightly, but Jesus was all man, but He was all God too. And God, in John 14, verses 1 through 6, is the one who talks about this place called heaven. The one who created the very uh, best of wine out of water. The one who could take five loaves of fishes and feed 5,000 people. The one who could still the raging seas. Now, I promise from such a creator, as Jesus demands our trust and faith to believe it shall come to pass in. Jesus, the Creator, said, I go to prepare a place for you. So, it's settled, it's sure, and it's final. He's preparing a place for the redeemed of all the ages. The justice of God demands that righteousness be rewarded as surely as sin punished. The zenith of this reward for righteousness will be heaven. Just as sure as there's a hell then, there's got to be a heaven. Number two, the people of heaven. Who are the people of heaven? Turn over to Revelation now of chapter 21. Revelation 21 and verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. I like to sometimes start from the other end when you're talking about something and think of all the negatives and uh, that could happen. And the Bible says here now in Revelation 21 verse 27, there is certain things that's not going to be there. Now, only those saved, blood-washed, are going to enter into heaven then. The peoples of heaven are a blood-washed people. Revelation 7, verse 14. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, and I washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The self-righteous will not be there then. Righteous people will... Uh, they go there. I like this little song. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. 
So anybody that's going to heaven is going to have to be blood washed. Number two, the people of heaven are a holy people. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. My daddy and mama went to the Holiness Church for years. And as I was a little boy, and my daddy, when God called me to save my soul and called me to preach, he said, you ought to be a Holiness preacher. Well, what I was talking about in the realm that he lived in, I said, no, I'm a Baptist. Then later on, I got to thinking I am a Holiness preacher. I preach about the holiness of the Lord. And uh, he was always talking about it. And he quote this verse to me. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. And what he was talking about is if you don't live right, if you don't live perfect, you're not going to heaven. And he's talking about that, and that's the way the holiness people wanted to teach and preach back then. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible's talking about holy, not in ourselves or in our own merits, but holy that we are saved and dwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. True holiness does not come by the works of the flesh, nor the rites of religious ceremonies. True holiness comes by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our perpetuation. He is our righteousness. He is our justification. He is our holiness. He is our all and in all. And so if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ as your holiness, you ain't going there then. It has nothing to do with how you live in your personal life. It has to do with the Holy Spirit being in you. And if you the Holy Spirit is not in you, you can't make it there then. Then you, the, the peoples of heaven are a praising people. They give all praise to the Lamb forever and ever. Me and Mrs. Harden was talking about this again. And I remember as a young Christian, I was reading the book of Revelation where we're going to be praising the Lord forever and ever. And I said, now, Lord, am I going to have to be down on my knees before you in your throne praising you forever and ever? And I used to worry about that. Is that all we're going to do in heaven is just bow down to God on our knees and worship Him and praise Him and, and so on? If that was true, uh, that might get boring. I know one thing, my knees would get hurting, amen? And so that's not what the Lord is talking about. He's talking about that we're going to live in such a praiseful spirit. I'm going to be praising God all throughout all eternity for being saved, amen? And now listen to me, Revelation 5 verse 13, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. It's going to be some kind of day when you see everything that God ever created praising God. Amen. Verse, uh, Revelation 19, verse 1. And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. I know this, there will be no sad sex in heaven. Amen. Uh, no 
uh, cares of bad news in heaven, only praising of God's people there. Today, if you ask somebody, how you doing today? They'll tell you. And most of them, you don't want to hear all of it. Amen? I mean, all they ever do is talk about the bad things and the bad things. You listen to news, listen to the radio. Won't it be something? And God said, one day we're going to be out of the presence of bad news altogether, and all we're going to do is talk about praising things. I mean, people we've got to lead to the Lord, people we know we got saved, our neighbors and friends and loved ones, we're going to carry on all eternity uh, just praising God for those that being saved. Amen? And being in heaven with one another. You have the promise of heaven? It's for sure. You have the people of heaven? Only blood-washed people. Blood-bought people. What is heaven like? A lot of questions we have about heaven. We'll have to wait for the answer. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans, now we see through a glass dark. That's like looking through that glass there. That's opaque. That you can't see through the thing clearly on the outside. That's the way we live life today. Our little finite mind cannot conceive God. We can't understand all the things of God. God made us that way. I don't know if we could live under that glory of knowing everything that God knows. But think about this for just a minute. That same verse says, Now we see through a glass darkly, but one day face to face. You know what it's talking about? One day we'll understand this Lord to understand everything. Now, I don't understand babies being aborted. I don't understand why God puts up with that. I don't understand old people being mistreated. I don't understand why God puts up with it. And I don't understand a whole lot of things in this world right now. But one day we will. And a lot of questions that we have about heaven, God doesn't give us the direct answer to it. But I'll show you some of the things it does tell us about. Heaven is a place. And John 14, verses 1 through says, I go to prepare a place for you. Abraham's bosom, where Elias was comforted, was a place. In the Old Testament, every saint upon... Uh, Death rested in a place called Luke, Abraham's bosom. That's a place. To Lazarus, Abraham's bosom was a place of rest, of bliss, comfort, and union with the saints of the Lord, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at the death of Jesus upon the cross in His resurrection, paradise below was removed to paradise above. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 just a minute. Book of Ephesians, chapter 4. <clears throat> and look with me, please, in verse 8. Ephesians 4, verse 8. Wherefore he said, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but he also descended? First in the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. Now, that's what the, uh, the Bible plainly tells us. One, before Jesus re resurrected, because he is the first of the resurrection, there was paradise below. But now, well, since Jesus rose from the dead, there's paradise above. So, following the resurrection of Jesus, 
the saints who now die are absent from body and present of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18. You don't put the saint of God in the grave anymore and they used to go to paradise. You put the body there, but the saint of God goes directly to heaven. Absent body, present the Lord. Paul was called up to this place in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 1 through 5. He was stoned to death. And he literally left this body and went up to the third heaven. Now, you know what it's talking about? You got the clouds, and then you got the stars, and you got the planets, and then you got heaven. And he was called up to that place, and God said, I'm not finished with you. And he sent him back. And he came to this earth, and he said, I cannot speak of the beauty that I saw. He said, I don't have words to explain it. And you don't hear him talking about it that much after that. But he went there. Now, this is the same place John saw in Revelation called the Holy City. Now, what is this real city like? First, heaven is a place. Secondly, heaven is a place of people. Revelation 19, verse 1. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. Now, remember this. There will be no empty mansion in heaven. Think about that. When Jesus said in John 14, I go to prepare a place for you, He had somebody in mind. Amen? And so we know that every mansion in heaven is going to be occupied. Now, if you don't love people down here, you sure ain't going to love heaven. Amen? Think about that. Thirdly, this eternal abode of the righteous called heaven will be a city sent down from God out of the heavens. Look at Revelation 21 for a minute. Revelation 21, and look at verse 1 and 2. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So according to these verses, John saw this city coming down from God out of heaven. This holy city is to be a real a place, a planet, if you want to say it in that direction, sent down from God out of heaven. Now, fourthly, this holy city will be a large city. Revelation 21 verse 15 says, And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city. And the gates thereof and the walls thereof and the city lieth four square. And the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed two thousand furlongs. Now, I got to study that. That's about 1,500 miles square or a cube every direction. Think about that for just a minute. The height is equal with the length and the breadth. A large city. Plenty of room for all the redeemed of all ages. The redeemed, the new Jerusalem will be the city of God's house. Revelation 21 verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Revelation 22 verse 1. And he showed me a pure river 
of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Now to understand a little bit of that, you have to go back and study the tabernacle and the temple. And when Solomon had finished the temple, uh, he, as he prayed and was dedicating the temple, he was saying something like this to Holy God. He was saying, Lord, I, you allowed me to build you a place to dwell with your people on the earth. And then he followed that up and he said, but how can man build a place for God to be contained in? He said, the universe of the universe, of all the universe, can't contain God. And when you think about that for just a minute, and you think about, but he has a place that he's going to dwell with his people. Back then, uh, God came in his Shekinah glory in that temple. And they couldn't even enter it. Couldn't even be with him. One of the marvelous things that I look forward to is seeing the glory of God. I can't conceive. I, sometimes I see a cloud and the sun setting and the, the rays coming up. Beautiful sunsets. And I've thought about it many a time. Maybe that's going to be some idea. He's given us some idea of what it looks like. But that don't tell it. When you talk about the glory of God, redeem, the redeemed will be there. God Himself's house will be there. The Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, His throne is going to be there. Jesus said in John 14, verse 3, that where I am, there you may be also. Heaven is a place of blessed fellowship. Revelation 21, and I want you to look at verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. And God Himself shall be with them and be their God. That's fellowship. Our fellowship is that we be with God Himself. Heaven is a place where the ills of time shall be known no more. Revelation 21, verse 4. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now think about that for just a minute. Did you know that there are going to be tears in heaven? When we when we are uh, standing behind the great throne of God, you think about this for just a minute. I know one thing: if my brothers, or my daddy, or my mom, any kin of mine, would die and go to hell, and they're caught up before the great white throne judgment, I'm behind the Lord Jesus Christ, and I see them condemned and passed out. I'm going to cry. Amen. And the Bible says we are. But after that. After the great white throne judgment, after everything is said and done, he says he's going to wipe away all tears. And there'll never be no more tears. No crooks, no jails, no pain, no divorce, no broken homes, no drunks, no terror-stricken children, no darkness. In heaven, we'll be constantly with God, who himself is life and light, and we shall see him face to face. Then lastly, heaven is a place where time shall be no more. I got where I hate time. I, I really do. I mean, everything I look at, I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I got to hurry. I, I'm going to be late. And I despise being late. 
I, I just do. I, a man told me years ago, he said, if you're late, you're robbing somebody else of their time. And I, I believe that. And I just can't stand to be late. But I always look at the clock. Where and what time to start, what time to finish, what time to go, what time to do something. Can you imagine one day being out of the presence of time itself? Any more time. Listen to this. Revelation 21, verse 25. For there shall be no night there. I don't like darkness. I just don't. I always think a boogeyman is going to get me in the dark. Ever since my old uncle used to scare us to death, us boys. He talked about uh, my uncle, one of those kind of bleeding haints. And uh, he was going to a graveyard one time. These two boys was trying to scare him real bad. And they put sheets over him. Over him and hey, when he come walking through, he had to go through to go to his house. And he come walking through the graveyard. Then boys jumped out. I'm going to get you. He said, you stay right where you are now. I could see you. And they said, well, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. He said, that's why you're so dead now. You're so hard-headed. <laughs> I thought about that a many times. He tried to scare us, me and my brother one time. We, Daddy and Mama left us with him to watch where they went somewhere. And we had white-legged chickens out there in that dark, and them white chickens on the picket fence. And he said, you boys better behave yourself. Them haints are going to get you. And every, and they showed me them wild-legged chickens. They were big, you know. At least we thought they were. And he tried to scare us. And ever since then, ever since I was a little boy, I don't like dark. I like light. And a lot of it. Amen. You come down to my house anytime you want to. I got lights on. And I, I went to visit a lady that was depressed. I mean, she was just depressed. She didn't want to live no more. And I never will forget it. I knocked on the door. She invited me in. She had black carpet. She had painted her walls black. Her ceilings she'd even painted black. She had black couches. She said, no, I couldn't hardly find her in there. You know, I was looking around for her, and she's sitting there watching the TV and in that black room, and I said, no wonder you're depressed. Open a curtain. Paint these walls. Get rid of this black carpet. Put some light in this room. Amen? Because darkness will make you depressed. And I thank God, brother, when we get to heaven, we ain't going to have no more darkness. There will be no more depression. The joy of the city is eternal. The fellowship of heaven is eternal. The people of heaven is eternal. There's only one question that I asked everybody I talked to then. Are you ready to go there? Amen? I am. And I get so excited just thinking about it one day of walking the streets of glory with all my friends and loved ones that I know is saved. We're going to fellowship. We have the best time at our house when our, all our family comes over. The last time all of them was over there, I think we counted 46 or 41, something like that. A bunch. Little children all the way up. And they thank God they don't fight and they don't fuss. All of them is playing with one another's children. And it's, a, it's the sweetest time that you can spend just family enjoying family 
and fellowship in one another. Can you imagine enjoying the fellowship of God's family for all eternity? No fighting, no fussing, just enjoying the goodness of the Lord. That's what heaven is like. Amen. Father, would you bless the coming hour now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.